folks, and welcome welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kajimam, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. You log in, you click a button that says study now, and the platform then shows you exactly what you need to learn next based on your previous progress. Now, again, this is simple, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And this is not just um, them patting themselves on the back. Now that Native Shark's been in business for over a year, the results are in. So this is exactly what people are saying. Uh, just looking at a couple of posts in their community forums. And the student community, by the way, is one of the best things about the platform. So one person's writing, most productive year I've had learning Japanese. And then another one says, I've started learning over a year ago with all of these other platforms. And what I learned there is only a fraction of what I've learned on Native Shark in just three months. And then yet another one goes, in my mind, my study timeline only started with Native Shark because that's when I really started learning consistently and on and on. So yet the proofs in the pudding, it's definitely the best online course out there. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up for their free trial uh, using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, and we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. So that's native without an E. So N-A-T-I-V shark, all one word, dot com forward slash N-T-I. You use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks free instead of just the one. No need to put in your credit card or anything of that sort. You can just sign up, give it a shot, and chances are at the end of these two weeks, you'll already be far ahead of wherever you are with your Japanese at the moment, whether you're just starting out or you're already in knee deep. Give it a shot. NativeShark.com forward slash NTI. All right. So for those among you who are getting sick and tired of hearing me drone on and on about last week's uh, business networking and games event here in Fukuoka, you're in luck. The event is now behind us. And I won't bore you with the details, except to say that it was absolutely fantastic. Loads of fun, awesome people. I personally knew only about half of the attendees, so it was great to meet so many new people, talk business, eat phenomenal food, play some kick-ass games. Our photographer and videographer, Mitch, is soon going to be releasing uh, his uh, far more professional video and footage of the event uh, than anything that I've got. So I'll share that with all of you once that's up, um, including the presentations from the speakers. And most importantly, the next event, which is going to be held in Tokyo, will most likely take place in March, March 2022. So watch this space for more info. Okay, so for today's episode, uh, this is another conversation with the lovely Haley Agra that you might have seen or heard here on the show a couple of times already. Um, we've had her once to talk about general real estate matters, specifically related to a US military base personnel rentals. And once more about personal finance and investing or saving for retirement with Ben Sheeran or Ben Tanaka from Retired Japan. Uh, so she's back on the show today and we're going to be chatting about those two topics again, but also talking about her a bit more, the line of work that she's in, which is social media content marketing and specifically TikTok, which is a platform that's exploding now, particularly among younger people. And just in case you've been living under a rock for the last few years. We also talk foreign exchange and how to profit on exchange rate fluctuations, uh, the pros and cons of being a property agent or a rental company, 
or agency in Japan, how to set up a business for property-related transactions, and much, much more. So great, casual, friendly chat. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so you do social media marketing um, for people and companies, right? Yes. Yes, and also you're in financial education? Yes. So currently, I, I first started researching Japanese accounts to help my boyfriend start investing. I invest on the American side, but Japanese-wise, I've been selling um, a guide to help them get more, more inclined to invest in the retirement account, which is called the NISA, the Nippon Individual Savings Account. It's is that account, like a pension fund? Or? Kind of. It's, it's an account where you buy mutual funds, index funds, ETFs, or regular individual stocks. I heard that in Japan, for the stock market, you have to buy them at 100 a piece, okay. which is kind of crazy. But this account allows you to defer taxes, which is up to 21%. Right. So the NISA accounts you can have for either five years or 20 years. And the difference between the two accounts is there is a different between difference between the two yearly allowances. And I just talk about that on TikTok and I help sell a course created by Ben Tanaka, which oh, okay. if you look up, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah retiredjapan.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so awesome. I just resell his course and yeah, my boyfriend still hasn't invested, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling like we've been in it for 10 years and uh, nobody from my family has invested in property in Japan just yet. Everybody else in the world does except them. Everyone else in the Japan. Yeah, they <laughs> understand what we're talking about. They're interested in it, but the people closest to us, like they need to hear it from someone else, I guess. Yeah. Or they're just not that way inclined, right? Like, I guess they're That's not. True. Yeah. Because we always have yeah. our, you know, ultimate client profile in mind. And sometimes our family just don't suit that. Yeah. Like my boyfriend's interested in real estate and he's like, hey, I'll give you $10,000 if you invest in a property here. And I'm like, but you won't invest for your retirement right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, long-term is a bit harder to see for a lot of people, I think. That's true. That's Mm. true. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I was in debt. But do you have any retirement accounts or like college funds ready for your kids? Not actual funds, no. We put money aside, like we we save by ourselves kind of thing. Right. So a certain percentage of what we make from real estate investment just goes... um, into well actually they go into normal um, not even cash cash term deposit accounts just normal accounts because we found that we we make a lot of money just by holding currencies in different countries and different currencies yeah so for example last week um the aussie dollar um took a dive or the us dollar took a dive then we transfer funds back to japan and vice versa yeah and that little difference in exchange rates every time this happens actually amounts to a lot more than whatever interest you'd be getting in any sort of saving account. So yeah. how do you transfer? Do you use like transfer wise or a different kind, just like bank? We're not, not bank. We're with uh, OFX, which are pretty, OFX. pretty similar to transfer wise. Yeah. We've been with them since we started. So again, for about a decade now. Very nice. Yeah. 
And I mean, even just having two currencies, right? Like Australian dollar or, um, and Japanese yen. And if yeah. you add um, a little bit of euro, a little bit of US dollars and just keep liquid cash in each currency. Yeah. And those little peaks, like, you know, two yen down this way or two yen down that way for 10,000 bucks, that's like $200, $300 every time you transfer, right? Yeah, you just change it. That's, I never thought of that. Like I always have, well, I don't, I have some USD now, but I always had like, access to my usd without any anything i yep. can access all my us accounts but then i can also get japanese yen directly from my my atms so that would be that'd be interesting to like check out the trends of the the currency and how much it's worth yeah just go to exe.com or one of those websites and just look at where it's been in the last like one year or five years or ten years yeah. And then it's pretty easy to identify peaks. And then you say, okay, well, alert me whenever it hits that level again, or alert me whenever it hits that level again. What was the, the website called again? Um, the most common one is xe.com. 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 Nice. It's like a currency. And it allows you to send you alerts. They can send you alerts. Or if you actually sign up for an account with OFX, I'm pretty sure Wise do that too then in your account, you can set alerts for various currencies. So tell me when, um, like, for example, if you see that the last time the US dollar, for example, was at 112 or 113, well, now I think it's 114 something. Last time that happened was like December, 2018, right? Yeah. So you put in a, an alert. So, okay, whenever it hits that level again, um, just let me know. And then as soon as that happens, you just transfer your US dollars into Japanese yen because now they're buying a lot more yen for that money. Gotcha. And vice versa. Okay. So have you been going with um, your research on the um, base base investments? So I got a little bit and I have some documents, but I didn't get any like anything about electrical code. So I was kind of searching a little bit more on that. I got yep. some good information on like bars and it sounded like it was mostly geared towards Okinawa. Okay. Well, yeah. I can tell you one of our investors who was looking into that has recently sent me, let me see if I can find that, um, some requirements from, I think it was Yokosuka, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, give me a second. Where was he? All right. I think he was also on the podcast or maybe I haven't published that one yet. Okay, so housing suitability standards, affordability, location, general conditions, fire protection, garbage. So these parking stairs, um, appliances, that's kind of electric. All units must have sole use of landlord installed stovetop, refrigerator, washer and dryer, or space plumbing and outlets with sufficient capacity to accommodate US government furnished refrigerator, um, oven range, washer and dryer. If washers and dryers are not contained within the living units, they must be enclosed. And then on heating and air conditioning, it says working AC and heating in every room, um, which is something that you need to look out for because sometimes you'll have to install one of those on your own. Or space and outlets with sufficient capacity to accommodate AC for allowing tenants to install them by themselves. Heating systems will be properly vented. Kerosene heating systems must meet requirements of all applicable fire codes. Uh, 
And then, okay, there's electric. So electrical service. Each dwelling shall be provided with sufficient outlets and built-in fixtures to provide adequate lighting. I don't know what adequate actually means. And flexibility of use and location of electrical appliances and equipment. So that's pretty vague. Yeah, that's pretty vague. The complete installation shall be safe, efficient, and economical in operation. That's pretty vague again. And shall provide a reasonable uniform distribution of lighting. So they don't, <laughs> I don't think they actually want to commit to anything. They just want to do it on a yeah. case inspection basis. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing is circuit protection shall be provided such that operation of circuit breakers or replacement of fuses does not expose the occupant to electrical connections. I think that's pretty standard with all modern electrical systems. Right. AC washer and dryer will be individually wired to the circuit panel. Um, capacity will be sufficient so that the AC washer and dryer may operate simultaneously without overloading the circuits. And that's it on electric, I think. That sounds all pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, the only big things that I've noticed were the... Um, the width of the doors that have to actually allow, because if you want to reinstall a door, that could be a bit painful. Yeah. And the uh, need for an extra exit beyond the main exit um, from the property. So there has to be something like a fire escape or a back door or something okay. of that sort. Um, if you're looking at buildings in Japan, a lot of time, depending on how new the building is, there's going to be um, the balcony is going to have like a, a shoot through fire ladder that goes in between all of the balconies in the building yeah that probably satisfies that okay. and then the other thing is that you need to work with a registered approved property management agency so whichever base you're going to be uh, looking next to you need to first contact the housing office and see who the property management companies that work that base are that are um, authorized by the base and then I guess a lot of the um, detective work they can already do for you because they've done it on quite a few occasions. So once right. you liaise with them, they'll be able to tell you, you, you can submit potential properties to them and they'll tell you, well, this one will qualify. This one's not going to pass inspection. This was going to need this and that done. And so, right. I wonder if they had like um, a list of properties that are not allowed i know that there's some that people are banned from renting from <laughs> and uh, maybe like provide a reason why or have pictures even but i know that camp fuji doesn't have any of that yeah i think you're asking a bit too much of them it'd be nice yeah. if you do, but yeah <laughs> yeah they definitely won't and also the other thing is, and I've never, I haven't gotten a reply to that one from anyone that's contacted us about this before, is um, mm. those property management agencies are obviously equipped to handle foreign tenants. So they've got somebody who can speak to the tenants and do the contract and the, the lease in English. But right. I don't know that, they, that they're equipped to handle foreign landlords. Okay. So whoever signs the, the contract between the landlord and the property management company, whoever explains things to the landlord before they sign the contract. Um, I don't know if they have that because I don't think they've had too many foreign landlords. They usually get Japanese landlords that are renting to base personnel. Right. Um, so the first step I think would be to contact those agencies around that base that you're um, considering and check with them whether they can work with you as a landlord. Yeah, right. And if they can't, then that's a bit of an uphill battle. So you'll have to talk to the housing office again. 
Right. They say, well, look, you gave me these agencies, but they don't want to work with me as a landlord because I'm not Japanese. And what can I? And needing an agency is usually a necessity. Um, the housing office um, only allows the personnel to rent from uh, one of the authorized agencies that they've put on their list. So yes. Right. Right. Camp Fuji doesn't have a housing agency. So how my parents rented a home is they found someone. They just asked around the base and then people gave recommendations. Yeah. So in, in your case, like we spoke about last time, that's a new base, right? Yes. Yeah. So Ish. in your case, you probably got a good few years to sort of get away with stuff. Yeah. Actually, it would be a really good idea. Um, I don't know if um, you or your boyfriend or anyone um, just set up your own agency, right? Right. So setting up a business, how how comfortable are you talking about that? Do you Go know <laughs> the reins? Okay. So you you're technically an agency, and or an, and you work with agencies. No, we work with right. agencies, but we're not an agency. Okay. So we don't have a real estate license, and we like to keep it that way because that means that we can tell the agents that we work with that they don't need to share their commission with us. Okay. If we were a registered agent, then any sales commission uh, that they would be getting from uh, our buyer side, they would have to then share 50-50 with us. That's how the law yeah. works in Japan. Or they would be keeping the seller commission and we would be taking the buyer commission. So the first okay. thing we tell them when we contact a new agency is um, we're representing the buyer. We're not a real estate agency. You don't need, You can keep your entire commission. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. So you can set up a company, like in your case, for example, you'd be able to set up a property management company. And when you do need a lease done, which is the part that actually requires a licensed person involved, um, you just hire somebody. So you, it's called a taken. It's like a real estate official document reader or explainer. Right. And that's the actual licensed component of a real estate agency. Okay. But a lot of the companies that we work with, they are uh, agents, but they don't actually have somebody on full-time staff. They just hire them whenever they need a lease done or a contract done. Right. So what are, how many agencies do you work with, with your company? Oh, wow. Um, quite a few. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. There are a few big ones that we repeatedly work with um, yeah. who are national. So they'd have an office in Osaka, office in Tokyo, office in Fukuoka and so forth. Mm. Um, uh, but then if we can't find what the customer is looking for, for from one of the agencies that we already work with, then we'll just go off the listings online and then we'll contact new agents. So every month we do at least one deal with a new agent that we've never worked with before. So quite a okay. few. Are there any red flags of agencies that you stay away from working with? Um, there's not really that many really bad apples in japan like you're very rare that you True. come across an actual dodgy one that you know might be doing something bordering on illegal we have run across a few but i guess because in japan it's quite rare so us as westerners kind of pick up immediately on the vibe like they're not really well practiced at being shonky kind of thing Right. So the way that they speak is just weird. And we just say, okay, don't worry. Like they might say, um, 
everything that I've just told you about the property, I prefer not to put down in an email because emails can lead to mistakes. I prefer to talk on the phone about everything. So yeah, okay, let, let's maybe not work with you. Okay. But it's pretty rare. There's also reviews of them online. So if they're a big enough agency, there's going to be at least a few reviews. Right. And some of the reviews um, are actually might be bad from a tenant perspective, but might be good from a landlord. Like, for example, if a tenant complains that the property manager charged them for every little hole in the wall, then, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. the tenant might be really pissed off. But as a landlord, I want to work with that property manager, right? Right, right. Um, so you, you kind of take the reviews with a grain of salt and try to see what exactly people are complaining about if they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, not really huge red flags. There's no, it's very rare to actually run across a criminal operation or anything like that. Right. So you, property managers that you contact, what do you go to them for to find properties for people to buy? Or so find... property managers are the people who actually manage the tenants. Right. So you do the purchase or sale via a realtor, a property, um, a property agent or a broker. And they handle the sale. Well, they together with the legal, uh, with the property lawyer or in Japan, mm -hmm. they're called judicial scrivener. So they handle the uh, purchases and the sales. And then because we don't, as landlords, we don't, or as representatives of landlords, we don't want to be handling tenants directly. So we don't want to be receiving calls from a tenant when something breaks or when they, you know, chasing them up when they delayed with the rent. So then right. we can hire property managers to handle the existing tenants if there is a tenant already in the property. And also if and when a property becomes vacant to then find a new tenant and place them. Okay. So it's two different types of agencies. Sometimes they do both on, under the same roof, but usually they're separate. Okay. I think if I and or Chris were to create a business entity property management style, yeah. it would kind of have to be both when dealing with the military population. Um, well, why would you need to handle the purchase and the sale, though? You can just bring in an agent to handle that. That's true. I mean, any agent in Japan can sell you a property in any location. Your hmm. challenge is going to be in dealing with the, handling with the tenants, right? Like that's, the, that's right. your niche. You're handling specific kinds of tenants in a specific language that's pretty rare in Japan. And you're also going to be able to serve landlords who are foreigners themselves, right? So if you've got somebody around the base who wants to buy a property or owns a property and wants to rent it to, to foreigners, then you can help them as well, even if it's not your property. Right. So I don't, I don't think you actually need a, to, to be handling purchases and sales yourselves. But if you've got a leg into the housing office by being one of their first or only referral property management agency, then all the tenants would come to you when they're looking for places, right? Right. And I kind of did that a little bit when I was working. A few of my co-workers have an extra property that they wanted to rent out. So they would come to either me or my dad to disseminate the information that they have an extra property. And then, so I created a Facebook group, but I, it's kind of empty now. <laughs> So you but, mean foreigners who already own properties that they want to rent out to other people? 
foreigners and Japanese, but Japanese that speak English and work on the base. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So did you get many for like actual foreign landlords, people who are in Japan on like a sofa arrangement or anything of that sort, or were they all kind of residents? Two of them were um, sofa status. They okay. bought a house around area and then they rented it out to another family that's living here. So I would be really interested in interviewing one of these um, uh, one of these guys on our podcast, if you don't mind, because yeah. I've yet to run across a, a gaijin who's doing that in Japan, and I'd love to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. I let me ask. I think I've asked my dad. Really useful information to people who are looking to get into that sort of business. Right. Okay. Some stars next to this. So they were doing this in this in your area near the camp that you're at, yeah? Yes. Okay. So that's probably that's probably the only one of the only places in Japan where that's actually happened just because it hasn't been actually um like because there's no housing office. Find and yeah, yeah, no housing <laughs> office. So that that's that's really interesting. I'm surprised that this is the first time you're hearing it. Is it I, because I was surprised that no one's doing it yet too, but I have, I've yet to find them. Yeah. Because, like, I want to do it. I was thinking of buying something, a piece of property in Gotemba, before the year ends. But I, I still have some due, due diligence to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, we've been in the last, especially in the last two years, I think we must have heard from at least 10 or 12 people who are looking and interested in doing that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that any of them have pulled the trigger yet. So that's huh. why I'm really curious to talk to these guys. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll search too, because I'm not sure where the people are. know that their house is being rented. I have spoken to um, one, like you say, a Japanese lady. I don't think she works on the base, but she works for Apple. So her English is like super fluent. Yeah. And she's been doing that for years, for like uh, wow. uh, 10 or 15 years or so. Wow. And so she was a really good source of info, but yeah, I've yet to speak to an actual gaijin doing it. So, actual gaijin. <laughs> so, what are your plans for the rest of the day? Uh, my plans are to publish another podcast episode and YouTube video. Um, now we're recording a weekly, um, like a Japan real estate experts panel. And that's put a huge backlog on the other stuff that I wanted to publish. So I need to get yeah. some of that. So I'm probably going to go up to twice a week now. It's been once a week for the last few years. But now we'll go up to twice a week. And after that, I shall go home and continue to work. As nice. usually the case, yeah. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a workaholic? Um... I don't know. Like, I don't stress about it. That's kind of the definition of a workaholic is that you need to be stressed if you're not working, right? Like, I don't stress about it. I like my job. Um, but I, I do work a lot. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it because, like, I'll, I'll take a couple of hours off when I want to do something or, you know, be with my son or cook dinner or what. But then yeah. I'll still be on the bed sending emails until, like, midnight. So, yeah. <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't stress you out, I feel like then you're out of the definition then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't feel like a workaholic now. I'd like, I'd like to feel like that. I sometimes feel like that when I'm creating content or when I'm talking with um, 
people with lots of good information like you. <laughs> yeah. I saw you, uh, I saw one of your uh, videos on your Instagram where you were complaining about your boyfriend going off to do the work that he loves and you just stay home all day. Is that still the case? Yep. yep. <laughs> I mean, I go out and I met with a friend and we were talking about long-term investing and how she can open up Anissa. So that was really fun. That was like the first time I actually got paid to talk about just the stuff that I researched. Yeah. And um, doing more work like that has been increasing so yes i stay at home all day and i'm doing work on my computer but i like it yeah yeah awesome i'll send them do you have any specific questions that i can answer for you today or Mm, good for now no i'm good yeah thank you so much for your time pleasure good speaking with you yeah I'm sure I'll have questions about the week, though. <laughs> You're always so good at responding. Anytime. Yep. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. All right, there we go. The lovely Haley Agra. I really enjoy speaking with her. Hope you're enjoying our chats as well. Huge thanks again to everyone who joined last week's event. And I hope to see you all with us in Tokyo for the next one in the series. More on that as it starts to take shape and form, hopefully over the next month or two. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku.